You're listening to the Renew Life Church podcast. We hope this message inspires you and challenges you to become a true disciple of Jesus. To find out more about us, go to renewlifechurch.com. Good evening. How's everybody doing? Hey, hey, cool story. So uh, it was just two weeks ago. I was laughing with Keith a while ago. It was just two weeks ago. Uh, he did something real similar to uh, what he just did during ministry time. And uh, he made everybody... Uh, pray for someone can we just be honest to say every now and then that's that's just awkward sometimes just can we just be honest it's just a little awkward Uh, I love those awkward moments where faith is being released there's not much faith released in comfort not much faith released in comfort Uh, two weeks ago when this happened I was in the sound booth and I didn't have any responsibilities uh, that Sunday I wasn't teaching wasn't doing ministry time or anything like that and uh, but when Keith did that I was like well shoot I want to get in on this and so I I went and found someone that didn't have anybody to pray for him and when I went to pray for him uh, I could tell the guy was just had a lot going on on the inside and he couldn't even even give me anything to pray for I was like just tell me what you want me to pray for and I'll pray and he almost couldn't even get anything out and finally I just had to kind of and I just had the word family come up and I said what about family can I pray for family he goes yes pray for that and so I literally prayed I really didn't know exactly what I was praying for I was actually having to kind of really hear the Lord and just say Lord just direct my words here long story short the very next day uh, he had some uh, relatives there and some friends there the very next day one of the friends reached out to me and said thanks for p- praying for him yesterday this was our first time back in church uh, post-COVID and she said he had been trying to get a hold of his son for weeks and mo- months now and he had he'd been calling and texting and got no response we prayed for family the next morning he got a text from his son so I thought it was interesting about prodigals coming home we prayed that last time I uh I know this sounds crazy I mean just crazy but God answers prayer I know it's crazy but I promise you he does but Anyway, well, we're glad you're here. Uh, If this is your first time, can we just welcome all of our first-time guests? Thanks for coming. Glad you're here. Thanks for awkwardly praying with us to start the service today, so it was really, really good. Uh, If you got your Bibles, you can turn to Matthew chapter 6. This is one of those interesting sermons where I'm like, or messages, uh, where I just, I'm really not 100% sure where the Lord wants to focus. Uh, I've got, I have some notes, but we'll see. Uh, this morning, the Lord had me up at 2, 2.30, then again at 4, 4.15. Uh, finally, I got up at 5.30. I was like, Lord, either like leave me alone or, or tell me something, you know. And so um, I don't know if I got anything, but I, I, I want to share some stuff that I, if I'm being honest with you, it feels a little heavy. It feels a little weighty. Uh, this is a little less meat, milk, a little more meat. Are you okay with a little bit more meat today? I'm just going to ask for you to bear with me. This is going to be real teachy. Uh, I just believe the Bible. I believe the Bible is words that are not just regular words. They're words that contain life. I'm going to read a lot of scripture, and I'm going to trust that the Holy Spirit's going to do more with his words than I can do with his words. And so uh, just, just believe with me. Release faith with me. Activate the, the, the atmosphere with me where you believe that something's going to happen today. Something I'm going to say is going to activate something in you that changes your life forever. Amen? Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, is, it includes the... Or, it includes part of, if you will, the Sermon on the Mount, which is what a lot of people believe is the most famous sermon ever preached on this planet. This was Jesus himself preaching what many call his greatest, his greatest sermon ever. And I want to point out a couple of things from this message. How many of you guys believe if Jesus preached it, we should read it? 
It says, and when you pray, verse, starting in verse 7, Matthew chapter 6, verse 7, it says, and when you pray, do not use vain repetitions as the heathen do, for they think that they will be heard for their many words. How many of you guys are glad you don't have to pray with a lot of words? Sometimes I'm like, Lord, I don't have a lot of words to say, but help. Uh, yeah. Start with that. It says, therefore, don't be like them, for your father knows the things that you have need of before you ask. In this manner, therefore, pray. Now, we have all heard the Lord's Prayer. Raise your hand if you've heard the Lord's Prayer. We have heard the Lord's Prayer. If you're a Texas football player, you prayed it every single day before a game, on game day. You know this prayer. You had to learn this prayer. But I actually want you to read it this time with me as if it's actually the Lord Jesus teaching us how to pray. Can we do that? It says, this is how you're supposed to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. So he starts off by acknowledging who we are praying to and the posture of the heart that we're supposed to have. It's a posture of honor. It's a posture of reverence. And so he starts off with that. But the very next thing he starts to get into some meat, he says, your kingdom come. Say that to your neighbor. Say, your kingdom come. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. He says, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I'm just going to say something crazy. I actually believe he wants us to pray that his kingdom come. His will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Sometimes I think if you're like me, you can get stuck in knowing what to pray. Anybody else, you just get, you're like, man, I, I want to pray. I know I should pray. I, I will say this. If you've never been uh, baptized in the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking in tongues, if you've never had that encounter, that is one of the most incredible things that you have access to. Uh, freaks a lot of people out, but crazy enough, it's actually in the Bible. Go figure. Uh, but it's one of those things where you allow, you submit your physical body to the Holy Spirit himself, and you let him pray through your mouth so that your mouth is actually praying the will of God. How many guys think it might be okay if you prayed what God wanted you to pray. That's literally all pray, speaking in tongues is, praying in tongues is, so don't let it freak you out. But it, there are other times when I think it's okay for us to partner in, with our intellect even and pray the will of God over an area, just like Keith was saying a while ago, actually say the name, act like that name. When you say that name, something's actually going to happen to that person, that that prodigal, because there's no time or distance in the spirit, they're actually going to have an encounter with God because you prayed, because you released creative power into the atmosphere. So I think it's very, very important. Let me just say this, when he says pray, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. If that's really all you got out of this prayer, I don't think it's all you should get out of this prayer but let's just say it's all you got out of this prayer every time you pray imagine heaven and pray that earth looks like that and I want you to think about how many how much dumb theology that simple phrase can erase I think sometimes we wonder what God really wants to do I think we really I, I, I do that I think we all genuinely wonder I wonder what God's will is in this area in its simplest form, God's will is for earth to look like heaven. It's interesting that he didn't say, hey, pray this way. Pray that we get to experience the kingdom when we get to heaven. He actually told us to pray that heaven invades earth. So if you've ever encountered someone who was sick, 
Ask yourself the question, if I were to pray heaven to earth in this particular situation, do I need to see if the Lord's testing this person with this sickness, challenging this person with this sickness? Should I pray for them to be healed or maybe did the Lord give them this sickness to teach them a lesson? Let me just say this right here, bad theology. How do I know that? Because we've been taught to pray your will be done on earth the same way your will is in heaven. Ask yourself the question, are there any hospitals in heaven? Are there any sick people in heaven? There aren't. So it, it simplifies what I should be praying for. Mm. I'm ready for the day when I believe this so much that every time I pray heaven comes to earth, heaven comes to earth. I, uh, this, this week, I, uh, there's a place I, I get my car washed, a little drive-through car wash. I got a little membership, little stickers. So I can just drive through and get it washed as many times as I want. And there's, this, there's this individual there who has Tourette's and he shakes uncontrollably the whole time he's towel drying my car. And all I could think to do as he was drying, my, driving, drying off my truck this week was say, King, don't come to this man heaven come to this man and believe it or not I actually waited to see him stop shaking because I believe that it is the mandate of every Christian to pray heaven to earth in every situation and I thought to myself what am I going to do when he stops shaking just bust up out of my car I'm like hey I've been praying I want to believe it so much that the faith in my words produces 100% of the time. I was talking to a friend of mine who he was sharing this philosophy, if you want to call it that, uh, a new believer about praying for the sick. And the first sick person he thought of was someone with cancer. And so he just went and prayed for him. And as he was pray, praying, tumors evaporated the guy went back to the doctor, got, had zero sign of cancer anywhere in his body. And the, and the guy said, well, does this happen every time? What am I supposed to do if he doesn't get healed or someone doesn't get healed? I'm ready for those moments. And I, and I love even the childlike faith of when someone prays for the first time that they almost say like, well, what are you supposed to do if it doesn't work? <laughs> I want to pray. I want to have such faith in just the simplest. It's so simple. We, we teach this to our kids as if this is like elementary. It's elementary to know and learn the Lord's Prayer. It's like the basics. I'm gonna tell you, there's not much elementary about thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It doesn't get any deeper than that. It doesn't get any more powerful than that. Hmm. Matthew 6, 31, we've read this before. It says, therefore do not worry saying, what shall we eat, what shall we drink, or Father, what shall we wear? For after all these things the Gentiles seek, for you, Heavenly Father, knows what we have, that we have need of all these things. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. 
in this, in this message, in this sermon, Sermon on the Mount, Jesus preaching within just a few short paragraphs, he teaches us how to pray, and then he teaches us the thing that we should pursue the most. He says, pray the kingdom, come to earth. Then he says, pursue the kingdom. Pray for and pursue the kingdom. Uh, I would suggest that all of the church is in the kingdom, but all of the kingdom is not in the church. There's more to what God is doing than what's happening inside the four walls of the church on Sunday mornings and Sunday evenings. Let me, let me back up just a little bit and give a, a little bit of context on some things. Every single person in this room, you have an individual identity, and as a believer, you have a corporate identity. You have an individual identity, you have a corporate identity. As an individual, you've been made, if you are a believer, you've been made sons and daughters of God, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Your new identity is hidden in Christ. That is your individual identity. But I also propose that we have a corporate identity. This is something that the Lord's been talking to me a lot about. We talked about it for the last two times I've preached where something begins to happen to the believer. When the gospel is preached, when Jesus is encountered, suddenly we becomes more important than me. I'm telling you right now that's something the Lord, I I feel like he's breathing on in these last days is this concept of we, this concept of family. Not just what you're doing, but what we're doing. Not just what I know, but what we know. Not just what I'm accomplishing, but what we are accomplishing. I'll just tell you, uh, the most complex situations in your life rarely involve you, they involve a group. (laughs) If all you had to worry about was you, you could probably figure it out. But you got a family, you got moms and dads, you got brothers and sisters, you got co-workers, things get messy in the we. Sometimes the me is simple, it's the we that gets complex. It's the we that gets interesting. You have never offended you. (laughs) Think about that. (laughs) Talk about dealing with offense. You have never offended you, but a whole lot of we have offended you. (laughs) It's in that we where you have to learn to work through offense. You have never walked in unforgiveness over you. (laughs) Something you said to you. (laughs) No, the unforgiveness is what? From a we, and typically it's someone that you love. Someone you're close to. In fact, if we'd all be honest, it's, it's the ones that are the closest to us that can hurt us the worst. I propose that the spirit of darkness is at war against the we. He can't stand the we. Why? Because where two or more are gathered, there he is. It's in the we that the presence of God exists. And he also says one can put a thousand to flight, but two can put 10,000 to flight. Not only is there presence in the we, there's power in the we. I propose we have individual identity and a corporate identity. Individually, we are uh, the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, sons and daughters, but corporately, we are the body of Christ. We are the church. And can I just say this to you? Jesus isn't coming back for individuals. He's coming back for a body. He's coming back for a church. He calls the church, the corporate church, his bride. He's coming back to get his wife. Just that alone should tell you how important, not just the little C, the lowercase C in terms of like the local church is, but the church in general, he's coming back for a group. He's coming back for we. 
in that same way, I propose that we, we have an individual identity, a corporate identity, identity. We also have individual assignments on this earth and corporate assignments on this earth. They're never at odds with each other. Uh, this is something that uh, I felt like the Lord had, had given me some revelation on as it pertains to marriage. Uh, I think there's pressure, and, and, and oftentimes this is just the truth, but I think there's pressure when it comes to settling marriage disputes to always find it. Let me say it a different way. Usually in a, in a fight, let's just use some regular old terms here. Usually when you're fighting with your wife or fighting with your husband, both are wrong. Can we just admit, usually, usually both are wrong, usually. Husbands, raise your hand right now. Both are usually wrong, so this will help you out. Uh, but the more accurate thing is sometimes it's, sometimes it's a me issue, sometimes it's a you issue, sometimes it's a we issue. I think it's very important in marriage that you, there needs to be some you health, some me health, so that there can be some we health. Does that make sense? In, in, this, in the same way, there, there should be a, the, the power that comes from, <laughs> the power in marriage is when the you and the me get together and are the we. <laughs> it's when, not when two halves make a whole, it's when two whole people come together as one. In the same way, I, I think in, the, in, in our corporate assignment, the fullness of our corporate assignment is, is realized when we come together and know what we're going after. Not when we're just, well, you're doing this and I'm doing this and we're all just kind of scattered, but when we all kind of know what we are going after. There's a reason I'm sharing this with you. I want to read this, this one more scripture in Revelations chapter 11. Revelations chapter 11. Uh, Revelations 8 through 11 is a, and, and I'm not even going to pretend that I know a bunch about this. I, I know enough to, to get me in trouble. But uh, in, in 8 through 11, there's this, this uh, Christian, uh, John of Patmos, who had this vision from the Lord, this end time vision, this revelatory vision. That's why it's called the book of Revelations. It's a revelation of what the end times is going to look like. And he shares this concept or this, this vision of seven angels and seven trumpets. And in, in Revelations chapter 11, verse 15, we see the seventh, the last of the angels, the last of the trumpets. It says, then the seventh angel sounded and there were loud voices in heaven saying, now I want you to pay close attention to this because I think this is, this is fixing to help us identify a we assignment. Not just an individual assignment, but a we assignment. It says, the kingdoms, notice plural, the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord and his Christ. And he shall reign forever and ever. And the 24 elders who sat before God on their thrones fell on their faces and worshiped God. I had a bunch more uh, scripture up there, but we're just gonna read that. We're just gonna stop right there for the sake of time. It says, the kingdoms of this world have now become the kingdoms of our Lord. I propose to you that there's a reason that this is, this is the seventh angel and the seventh sounding trumpet. This is the last of the trumpets, if you will. Have you guys have ever heard that there's gonna be a trumpet sound when Jesus comes back? It's actually in the Bible. Well, this seventh trumpet represents that. And here, here's, here's something that this, this vision helps us see. I, 
I, I can't say for sure it's before the, the seventh trumpet sounded, but somewhere in relation to this seventh trumpet, the kingdoms of the world have become the kingdoms of our God. I propose to you that this world is made up of kingdoms that are under the influence of the enemy. There are kingdoms in this world and they are under the influence, they are being led by people even under the influence of the enemy. And one of the signs of the end times is that believers realize I'm not supposed to be part of one kingdom called the church. We're supposed to be a part of all the kingdoms, influencing all the kingdoms for the sake of the kingdom of God. Advancing the kingdom of God into the kingdoms of the world until the, scripture, till the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. You still with me? What are these kingdoms? What are these kingdoms? What are these kingdoms of this world? Um, in 1975, uh, a man by the name of Lauren Cunningham, he was the founder of Youth with a Mission. We have any YWAMers in here? I know we got a few. I know, oh, okay, good, we've got a few YWAMers. Uh, Youth with a Mission. Uh, in 1975, he was with his family on a vacation. He was just hanging out. I, I even love how he said this in his book. Uh, he was just hanging out. He wasn't necessarily in some, uh, you know, deep, deep cosmic place of prayers that he was just stretched out, relaxed, and hanging out with his family. And, all of, and he was thinking and praying about, Lord, how do we, how do we take the nations for you? How do, how do we do this? And he said, all of a sudden, it just, a list just came to me in my mind. Some of you, that'll help you a lot right there. This was God speaking to him, and the way he described it is all of a sudden something just came into my mind. That's sometimes how you hear God. All of a sudden, a thought that you can tell you weren't thinking about, this is not your thought, it just comes to your mind. It's not some super, an angel appeared and smoke was flying from the, you know, it's not usually that way. But I, so I love that he simplified it and he said, a list came to my mind and he gave a list of seven things, seven categories, seven spheres, um, now we say sometimes seven mountains, this list of seven came up. And so he just wrote the seven down on a piece of paper and he stuck it in his pocket. Well, the next day he had a meeting with his friend. His friend's name was Bill Bright, who was the founder of Campus Crusade for Christ. I find it interesting that this, this revelation, this vision, whatever you wanna say, came to two people. One was youth with a mission. One was Campus Crusades for Christ. So I, I think it's interesting there. But this, fin, this friend of his, Bill Bright, he's sharing, he, they're having uh, a meal together. Lauren Cunningham said nothing of this list. The list happened to be in his pocket at the time. And, and, this, and Bill Bright says, Lauren Cunningham, he said, the Lord gave me a word about how to take the nations. And it's a list of seven things. And he reads them the seven things. And in amazement, uh, Lauren Cunningham pulls out the list that was in his pocket and shares. And it was almost identical word for word, the exact same seven that he had written in his pocket. Here is the list, and he said they've, between the two of them, and, and, and now you may have heard of a guy by the name of Lance Wallnow. Lance Wallnow uh, has taken this, and I mean, he really, really talks about this a lot. He, he wrote a book, if you're interested, I'm rereading it for the second time right now, uh, called Invading Babylon, uh, The Seven Mountain Mandate, Invading Babylon. It's written by Lance Wallnow and Bill Johnson. Absolutely fantastic. Uh, I, I would encourage you to read that. But this is the refined list of seven. And, 
and, and here's what this is. This is seven mountains, seven spheres, seven sectors of culture that they identified. If we can influence these seven mountains, we can change the world for the sake of the kingdom. Number one was the family. Number two was the church. Number three was education. Number four was government. Number five was media. Number six, I'm going to say that one again just because it needs extra, media. Jesus, help. Number six, arts, entertainment, and sports. And number seven, commerce, science, and tech or or business. I'm going to read them again. And as I'm reading them this time, I actually want you to think about which area you think you fit in. And and don't over-spiritualize this. Where do you work? Family, church, education, government, media, arts and entertainment, commerce, science, and tech. How many of you guys just participate? It's fun to participate. Keith tells us all what to do all the time, so I can do it too. Um, raise your hand if you feel like family's one, a mountain you're called to. How about church? Education? Any educators in here? Government? Anybody in government? Awesome. Media? Got some media back here. Arts, entertainment, and sports? Nice, nice. Commerce, science, business, tech? Quite a few. Let me just, let me just say this for just, this is extra biblical text. <laughs> I just feel like I should say this. This is not, you're not going to find a scripture that lists all of these out. This is what is known as extra biblical. But before you freak out and say, my pastor's trying to preach something that's extra biblical, let me just read one scripture and we'll just see what happens. Amos chapter 3 verse 7 says this. It says, indeed, the sovereign Lord never does anything. Never does anything until he reveals his plans to his servants, the prophets. He he never does anything. Now, I am not one to judge. I am not one to judge who is a prophet, who's not a prophet. Is this perfect prophecy? I'll just say this, that in, in my world, being totally transparent, some of the prophets that I trust, that I love, that I listen to a lot, they hadn't been doing so hot here lately with the, some of the elections and stuff. They, was, they were pretty certain on some stuff. I'm very thankful that some of those exact same prophets have come out and repented and said, I missed it and cleaned up their mess. That's a word to anybody in here who thinks you're a prophet. If you're going to prophesy, great. If you miss it, Clean up your mess. Everybody say amen. All right. Um, At a minimum, at a minimum, this scripture, first of all, let me just make it clear. This is Amos 3.7, not Braden 3.7. This is actually in the Bible, the B-I-B-L-E. That's the book for me. We stand upon the word of God, the B-I-B-L-E. Come on, somebody. It's in the Bible that the Lord never does anything. Anything, no, not one thing, until he reveals his plans to his prophet. Here's what that should say to me and you. At a minimum, we should believe in the prophetic. That's where it's got to start. We got to believe that prophets are still prophesying. If God is still doing things, and I believe we think he is, this scripture tells me before he does it, he's going to tell somebody. He's letting us know, he's giving us insight to things that he's going to do.
So yes, the Bible is the word of God, but I also propose that there are things that are just as godly that God is revealing to his prophets that give us details as to how we're supposed to be responding in the day-to-day. So with that being said, I, I look at this, 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 this concept of the seven mountains and I go, okay, these guys, this is not necessarily a scripture, but these guys have built incredibly influential worldwide ministries. They're doing amazing things. These guys are prophets of this day and they're, 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 they're having these lists at the same day. And let me just say this, I'm not even gonna say that I know for a fact that this is the perfect list of seven. I would say, you might say, well, actually, I think there's an eighth mountain and it's this. Okay, that's fine. Here's the point I'm trying to get to. When that seventh trumpet sounds, when that seventh angel blows that seventh trumpet, something that correlates with that is that the kingdoms of this world have become the kingdoms of our Lord. So whatever mountain, even if you think there's an eighth one or you think you belong to one of those seven, there is an assignment on your life to take that kingdom for the kingdom of our Lord. There is an assignment on your life, there is an assignment on the church to influence every sphere of culture on this planet. And I would even propose that one of the reasons we're seeing some of the things we're seeing today is because we've only been focused on one mountain inside the four walls of the church. Or maybe we've just been ignorant as to, I didn't know that you could have an assignment somewhere outside of the church. Let me dispel this one myth. The fullness of your assignment on this planet is not to find a church where the pastor has a vision that you believe in and give the rest of your life for his vision, tithing, serving twice a month for that particular vision in that particular church. That is not what God has called you to do. Let me explain to you what the church is supposed to be. The church is supposed to be a place where you find out how to actually accomplish the vision that God's given you in the place he's called you to. You're not here to support my vision. I'm here to train you for your vision. Just think about that. Every every Sunday, you should be walking in going, Lord, help me today. Figure out, learn, be encouraged, have faith injected, have hope injected into my life. So that when I walk out and I go out into my kingdom, when I go to my mountain, I'm, I'm, I'm effective in advancing your kingdom in the kingdom that I'm called to. <clears throat> Got a little Stephen Furtick on me today or something, I feel like. Uh, let me just give you a couple things here. Um, let me just talk to you about this. Let me talk to you about this as it, as it pertains to advancing the kingdom in, in your sphere of influence and the place that God's called you to. Let me just talk to you very briefly about two, two types of kingdom ministry. Uh, I'm going to call it the overt and the covert. The overt advancing of the kingdom and the covert advancing of the the kingdom. The overt advancing of the kingdom is a bold interruption, a bold interruption into the world system and into the enemy's influence. It is a bold interruption. Think about in 2 Kings when Elijah calls down fire from heaven and burns up the 50 men that came to get him because of the word he got. That is a bold interruption. 
Any, uh, and, and I'm telling you, if any of you got the power to do that, don't be coming to my place. Like, don't be burning none of my people up. Um, that is a bold <laughs> interruption when you have a godless king who had been reaching out to uh, not the God of this world, and, and Elijah calls him on it, and he sends 50 men to take him, and God sa- Elijah says, if I'm a man of God, fire's going to come down and lick off 50 of you up. Happened twice, and the third group said, bro, please, <laughs> just chill out, <laughs> you know, chillax, you know. It's a bold interruption into the enemy's influence. Jesus, in Mark chapter 3, Jesus healed a, man with a, healed a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. That was a bold interruption of the world system. And they were offended. How dare you heal someone on the Sabbath? That's not how we do things. <laughs> this is not very politically correct, I'm sure. Jesus didn't give a flip how they did things. Overt ministry, oftentimes, don't give a flip. Turn to your neighbor and say, don't give a flip. (laughs) What might this look like in your kingdom? What might this look like in your mountain? The place that God's called you. God actually might call you to lay hands on someone who is sick at the office (gasps) in front of other people. He might have you do that. He might have you do something bold. He actually might do some, have you do something where other people see you do it. Another guy was telling me a story the other day where he was, and now that I've seen the conference room, uh, it, it's even funnier, but they were, uh, he was doing a Bible study with some guys in, uh, in the workplace. And these are guys are, a lot of these guys are really new to a lot of stuff. And anyway, he was laying hands on them, baptizing them in the Holy Spirit. And before you knew it, in this conference room, and mind you, this conference room was all glass. Several of them were just laid out on the floor, slain in the Spirit. And I'm like, that is called overt ministry, a bold interruption to the day. God's involved in the overt sharing a testimony in a secular environment. I just, yeah, I feel the Lord on this even more now. I was trying to figure out why I wrote this down, but I feel like some of you, you've been in, and I'll explain more of this here in a second, but you've been in covert ministry, establishing yourself as a professional in your field, someone who is respected in what you do, and the Lord's fixing to call you from out of the covert into the overt, and he's gonna have, I just saw this. It felt even medical, Uh, maybe it was medical, That's what it felt like when I got this, but the Lord's gonna call you to, in your expert opinion, write something and give God the credit in a medical journal. That's when the covert becomes the overt. That's when you boldly get it out. You boldly interrupt when someone's thinking, oh, I'm gonna get to hear some science, I'm gonna get to hear some medicine, and you give them some faith and some supernatural. I believe with all of my heart that at, at some point in every one of our life, for those of you out there saying, well, I just, I feel like the Lord just has called me to live in the, in the covert. Uh, no, no. We all are, have times in the, in the overt. The covert, it's, it's not that hard to figure out. The covert is this undercover insurgence into the world system, affecting change from the inside out. Some, sometimes the, the, the fear of man masquerades as covert as as overt ministry or covert ministry sometimes they say oh well i'm just i'm just laying low for a while and that's actually well you that's not necessarily your assignment what you're supposed to be doing it's just lack of courage but there are times where the lord's like zip it 
get in on the inside. Show me that in scripture. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. Heard of those guys? When they were inserted into the system, it was all four. They were all four. It was, it was kind of, they were all in this together. It was Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And what's interesting is it says that Daniel found favor with the chief of staff. And the first thing that happened with the four is that Daniel said, I'm not going to eat the king's food. He's, he, he covertly found favor with this guy. And he, he, he had a plan and, and a, 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 a set of disciplines in his own life. He says, look, I'm not, I'm not going to break these things. But he did it very covertly. And he convinced the guy to give him a test run. Hey, give me, give me a little bit of time here. And if, if I still don't look like I'm, like I'm physically fit after these few days on my little Daniel diet, uh, then I'll go back to eating the, eating the food. And it says that they, him and all the other guys, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they looked amazing after 10 days. So it was a little bit of a, a, a covert assignment. And what's interesting is that they're, I believe this, their discipline, how they handled their convictions. It says that the Lord blessed them with wisdom in every types of literature. He literally gave them a gift in the area of literature. Doesn't sound super spiritual there, does it? But he gifted them in literature and wisdom. And he also gave Daniel the ability to interpret, interpret dreams. Fast forward, one of the first things that we see these guys encounter, it's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being thrown into the fiery furnace. Have you ever asked yourself, where was Daniel? He was one of them too. He's already proven that he's not going to do the things that the king tells him. He's not going to bow to this king. He's not going to do things that he's not supposed to do. He's proven that. And it just made me wonder. When I, one time the Lord showed me this. It's like, wait a minute. They all came in together, but the first three that got tested were Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. And I started having this thought, where's Daniel? And why ain't Daniel speaking up? I, I propose to you that there's a time to be covert or overt and there's time to be covert. I believe that with all of my heart, the Lord was speaking to Daniel saying, nope, not right now. Don't stand up right now. Don't say, hey, you know what? You're throwing them in, throw me too. I ain't bowing. He's already proven that he wouldn't bow. But what he's proven now is that he's got the wisdom to say, hang on, maybe my time will come. Maybe now is not the time to be bold and courageous and yelling and screaming and doing all the things. Maybe the Lord has an assignment that's getting on the inside and affecting change from the inside out. Some of you in your zeal, you just come out guns a-blazing, just, I mean, just tongues and all kinds of stuff. And I'm all for the things. But there comes a point in your life to say, hey, is this a time when the Lord's saying, hey, easy on the Shondai. Just be nice. Just grow in favor. Luke 2.52, Jesus grew in favor with God and with man. Jesus spent a time. Look, the Lord showed me this. So one, there's a part of our uh, covert ministry called a season of preparation where the Lord hides us for seasons. And he's not hiding us from the world or, or, or for the world. He's hiding us from the world until we're ready for the world. Sometimes your, your, your covert ministry is just a season of preparation. Jesus grew, had to grow in favor. I, I think I told this story a couple of weeks ago. It was, it was incredible. I had an opportunity over Thanksgiving to, to, to witness to a guy that I hadn't, Believe it or not, I had never witnessed it. Now, I wasn't hiding my faith. He knew what I did. He knew who I was. I was boldly, at times, saying what God was doing with me, but I wasn't like in his face about it. And 10 years of just hanging out, going fishing, going hunting, having a beer or two. Yeah, I said it. Just being a dude. 
won me an opportunity to share the gospel with him. I propose to you that 10 years of covert is sometimes what it takes to get one convert. Now, not every time, not every time. I believe in both the overt and the covert. But I just want you to know, and I want you to have this in the back of your mind so that you can hear that, hey, here's really what I want. I want you to have this knowledge so that the Holy Spirit at times can say, hey, don't share your faith right now. And you won't feel confused. Like, wait a minute, what do you mean don't share my faith right now? Don't, don't, what do you mean don't say that right now? Maybe saying, no, no, it's, I want you to advance the kingdom, but I want you to do it this time a little covertly. Just be quiet and get on the inside. I've got bigger plans for you. Really, the heart behind every single thing that I'm saying today is I want you to live the rest of your life on assignment. That's really what today's message is all about, is understanding that there, is a, there are kingdoms out there and there are kings in this room. There are queens in this room that are called to have influence and affect change. Revelations 11, until the kingdoms of this world become the kingdoms of our Lord. We hope you felt encouraged by today's message. If you need prayer or would like to connect with us, find us on social media or by going to renewlifechurch.com.